Welcome to Tilt Talks. My name is Adam Roberts, and I'm the producing artistic director of Tilt Performance Group, a theater company I co-founded in 2013 with a mission to shatter disability stereotypes through inclusive theater. Throughout the upcoming seasons of this podcast, I'll be chatting with company members, staff, volunteers, and community partners about their stories and what Tilt means to them. This is Tilt Talks, shattering disability stereotypes one episode at a time. Hey there, everyone. Adam Roberts here. I am so excited to be doing our second episode of Tilt Talks. We got so much great response from our first episode with Kristen Gooch and I couldn't be more excited to welcome our second guest who has been a veteran Tilt Company member for many, many years since our second production ever, Free to Be You and Me. I want to welcome Toby Altrabulsi. Hey, Toby, how you doing? I'm doing well. Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. We uh, couldn't imagine doing Tilt Talks without the Toby. Uh, Toby is <laughs> quite the star when it comes to people talking about various different roles that he's played because toby you've played a a wide variety of different roles um for tilt right yes i mean and and probably some roles that uh, people wouldn't be surprised by and maybe some roles that people would be surprised by because i think that's what we like to do in the arts right is to keep people on their toes that's right So Toby, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but if I remember correctly, you were a student of Robert Pearson's at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired. Is that correct? That's correct. Can you talk a little bit about your sort of growing up in the theater at TSBVI? Is that that the first place that you were introduced to the performing arts? Um, It wasn't, actually. (laughs) Oh, let's go back further then. I love it. Let's go back further and hear about Toby, you know, on stage or or off stage. I don't know. um, In the beginnings. Sure. Um, I was newly blind. I was about 11 or 12, like a little, little sixth grader. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I just was entering middle school and I wanted to take Spanish, really. So, and they... I was learning Braille and they didn't think it it would be feasible for me to learn Braille in Spanish and English at the same time. So they put me in drama. Oh, <laughs> and, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is I was very upset. I did not want to be in drama. Like what? But it turns out um, they kind of had to teach me some of the things Um about the class, what was a script, what was improv. I learned about Harpo and Groucho Marx. And that was oh. where I first learned about some of that stuff. And I had to, um, I ended up subbing out for one of the performance and production students, the seventh and eighth graders, because they were sick on opening night. And so I had to, it was a really small part, but it was, it was exciting. Um, so it was fun. Yeah, that and was then, my first. And what was the part? What what was the show? I don't remember the part, but the show was called Hard Candy. 
So then you got into high school at TSBBI and how did that, how did Robert Pearson and your work with Robert and also in the theater sort of influence you and shape where you are? Well, I will say that before, this doesn't quite answer your question, but before I got to high school, I took three years of art, just art. Um, Visual art. Yeah, just just an art class. Wow. Um, because I was I got fascinated with with art after that, um, and I that took all my electives out. <laughs> so I just um, got interested with it and creating and making. And when I got to high school, um, I didn't need to take any more electives because I had wrapped those all up pretty much. But then. Um, my English instructor at the time, Robert Pearson, was also doubling as the drama instructor. And he, you know, said, are you going to do it? You know, he said, you know, are you going to, I'm holding these auditions for shows and I'll be directing, you know, it'll be lots of fun. And I was like, I don't know. And I was in 10th grade around then. So he says, well, just come by and read. And if you don't get it, it's no big deal. You know, I won't fail you out of class. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> um, but he, so I read for the part and they said, oh, well, read for this, these other parts. And, you know, then they liked the part that I read for. It was 10 Angry Men and it was Juror 10. And so then it, it just kind of snowballed after that. Um, it was really fun way to meet people and make those connections. So. That's incredible. And then I got to know you in Tilt when we did Free to Be You and Me, which was Tilt's second ever show. And that mm -hmm. happened in the fall of 2014, I believe. Wow. And it's 2021. How can that be? I obviously I remember you doing free to be you and me, but the, the first show I really remember, um, getting to know you on truly and seeing you shine was really flip side. Mm. Uh, it's a production for those who are listening, who may not know, um, it was called the flip side. And basically the flip side was a collection of six, 10 minute plays that were produced back to back in the same night. And one of those plays was a play called The Interview. And I cannot remember the author's name at this moment in time. Oh, yeah. But The Interview. And in The Interview, and it was the only play in Flipside that had one actor only. And Toby was that actor. Toby, can you talk <laughs> a little bit about the premise of that play and then, and then what it was like to do a one-person play? <laughs> well... It was funny. Um, <laughs> it was one of the few comedies in that piece, too. Um, so the premise of the show was there's a man going for an interview, and he thinks that he's going for an interview with a live person. But he is interviewing not with a woman named Vera, but with an AI named Vera. Yes. And he is not deterred at all. And he wants this job no matter what. 
and he is bound to get it. And he is boisterous and enthusiastic and exuberant and all those things. And he just, and <laughs> it was, it was very fun to play that person because it's just like uh, absurd. <laughs> He's just laughing um, because I wish I could remember some of the lines because it was just so fun to play. It was just um, just walking in and saying like, "Oh, it's just a there's just a bare table here. Well, where where's all the people? Oh, it, you know, it's just me." But the, I think it was just fun to play against myself, and only it was very challenging. Well, that but is it was also very rewarding. Absolutely, and that is the funny thing about that play is that even though you are interacting with a scene partner, that scene partner is artificial intelligence, right? Yeah, the, the scene partner was, we had an offstage actress doing the voiceover, mm -hmm. but um, essentially it was just me interacting with her voice. So it was ostensibly, ostensibly me being on stage. Absolutely. And it was yeah. a riot. I remember every night people just couldn't stop laughing. There were some great one-liners in there and you were able to keep that, keep that up. And you, Toby, have played a lot of comedic roles, but you've also played villainous roles for Tilt. <laughs> and I'm curious to know, do you have a favorite kind of role to play? Um, I don't. I don't know if I have, I, I enjoy playing villains, but um, <laughs> I, I love playing villains. What's your best it's, villain laugh, Toby? Yeah. It's so good. Oh, uh, my best villain laugh? Yes, everybody needs oh. to hear it. <laughs> if, you, if you insist. <laughs> Please. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. I love it. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. I think I, there's, I love the, the myriad of roles I've played. I think there's some roles I'd still like to play. Which would include what? I, I think I'd like to play someone in love or maybe like an anti-hero. Interesting. Well, your song that you wrote for our production of Gratitudes kind of, had to do with that, right? Renaissance Romeo? Yeah, I think that was an amazing show because it it challenged me at a really trying time mm -hmm. um, during the pandemic, I'm referring to. I was really low and really depressed, like many of us, but right. I felt kind of disconnected and and I just kind of put all those feelings into a place where I felt non-judgmentally like I could rearrange them and then there was music around them <laughs> and I had a lot of help thanks to you know boy and and to you Adam and it was great because I didn't ever think I could write a song and now I know I can Absolutely. And I think that Gratitudes is probably one of my very favorite Tilt projects to date um, because I love song cycles and I also mm -hmm. love original contributions to them. And so I think having each 
of the members of the cast write their own song about something that they're grateful for was really impactful. I loved it. Yeah. Can we go back to, I guess, sixth grade, Toby, where you, where you had us? <laughs> sure. And can we talk a little bit about, so you have what some people might call an acquired disability, right? Um, in terms of your blindness. I went blind, uh, but it wasn't necessarily a part of my, dis my main disability. My connective tissue disorder uh, affects um, the entirety of my person, like my heart, my eyes, uh, my skeletal system, which requires different parts of me, which is why I'm a wheelchair user. I use a, a cane for my vision. Um, and I take calcium supplements, et cetera, et cetera. Oh. Um, but my connective tissue disorder, for people who want to look it up, it's called Marfan's syndrome. Um, it, that's not what the reason why I went blind. I was in the hospital um, with some other uh, conditions going on at the time. But um, yeah, so I acquired that pretty quickly in my blindness. And yeah. one is born with Marfan's syndrome, correct? Yeah, it's uh, diagnosed at birth. It's a genetic uh, mutation, usually on the 15th chromosome. Very specific. Uh-huh, yeah. And it, it affects not one part, but the entirety of the system. So, you know, Toby, you have done a lot of performing in a lot of places you've performed with tilt but you've also performed outside of tilt you've performed as we said at tsbbi you've done a lot of performing and we've had a lot of very in-depth and and complex discussions about theater right i'm interested to know do you think that there is a particular perspective or a unique framework that disability brings to the way that you experience theater either on stage or off stage you have to take uh the need of the cast or your company or your troupe or your band mates into account because they even if you are a guest artist or what have you you have to give your needs over to the director or the company manager or whomever is in charge and be open and communicative because your body is your tool. It's your instrument. And if you're hampered in any way, it's not going to, you're, you're not gonna perform in the best way possible. And you, we, I think that structure, is important. Um, I think communicating with with your your theater mates, your playmates, creates a better sense of comfort and ease and cohesion between all involved. And that's not that's not a that's not a temporary want. That's a necessity in the disability community. You need to provide that support or else it's the 
performance will suffer, you know, like my needs, for example, to uh, clear that up <laughs> quicker. Uh, I am a blind wheelchair user. And the things that I need for my creative access requirements are I need to know the blocking, uh, how long scenes are, the general time requirement, prioritization for everything. Because um, I don't, it's not exactly something that I've mastered. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe a lot of them. Um, but I need electronic scripts, right? That's for, that's an example of something that I would require. Sure. So uh, something that is given to you, like in PDF, for example, or in or in Word. Right. But for example, I couldn't just go out and cold read something. Sure. I couldn't be expected to wing that unless improvisation is built into the audition or built into the company as like an expected part of the communication style. Like, just tell me what you think the intent of the scene is. Uh, tell me what you think this person is feeling. You know what I'm uh, saying? Like that, that's how, <laughs> I, I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's like, there has to be a uh, communication of intent for people's like um, consent between all parties involved. Sure, so one of the things I think if I can piggyback on that perhaps, that I certainly have become better, I think, as a theater artist overall, no matter what project I'm working on, tilt or not, is foreseeing those kinds of moments. So mm -hmm. foreseeing moments where backing up two or three steps, for example, from where we're at in this moment and saying, in order to truly have prepared and give adequate resources for any actor to prepare to do their work in the space mm -hmm. i need to back up a couple of steps as a director and to try to anticipate needs resources and things like that to be in place and one of the things that i think you know is different that i learned to be that i learned to be better at as a director overall that we did it tilt and that's how I learned it, I should say, is that when we devise, and for those who are listening who don't know the term devise, it's creating a, a production together. When we devise a piece, we really need to have the script itself finished pretty early on so that we can get those scripts brailled or we can get those scripts in electronic format so that actors have enough time to become familiar with the scripts before we get on stage or in the rehearsal room and start to block because you can't just kind of glance down at your script and scribble in notes the way that a sighted actor could, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's uh, something that you, you're always very good at. You keep the, the big picture in mind and very mindful of everybody's needs. So that's I try something I'm thankful for. <laughs> Well, you, you, you I'm have not great at structure. 
Well, no, I appreciate it because one of the things I love and always have loved about Tilt, you know, I have a vision disorder, as you know, of my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it is, it is only, only affects my function in that I had to stop driving about 15 years ago or so. So I have adaptations where I can bring music closer to my face when I'm playing the piano, for example. I have my screens brighter, but it but it certainly does not affect my work per se in the theater to the same degree that a, a completely unsighted person that it would. And so I have really, really relied on and been so grateful for all of the Tilt company members and all of our collaborators who have spoken up and said, this is what I might need, or this is what another person might need in this circumstance, just to give you a heads up. I have been so grateful that people didn't just sort of, you know, either wait on me to do something that I might not realize or just not speak up and then not be, have the resources that were necessary to benefit everyone and themselves. And so I have always appreciated that culture at tilt of open communication because why not? Right. Yeah. If you have, if you have the luxury of, of not time constraints, but you know, that open communication style built within the company, why not utilize it? And you've always been very diligent about that. So I, I'm thankful about that. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that because I, I, work, I work hard on that yeah. for myself as well. I want to ask you one final question, Toby, and that is, you know, we are, we are seeing the light on the other side of this very long COVID-19 tunnel. <laughs> I know, I just realized <laughs> we're seeing the light on the other side yeah. of Gaia, we're here. She totally just... like to joke about that. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> metaphor. We're, we're being drawn to the end of this tunnel, right? Yeah. Um, Toby, what are your hopes for the future of the theater in America? Here's a dissertation topic for you. <laughs> what are your hopes for the for the future of the theater in America, both in terms of access and generally? My uh, the really needy and desperate part of me says, you know, people <laughs> in the city will just be so desperate for actors they'll want me and everything. But <laughs> that's it's very that's not uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the actor part of me. <laughs> But the uh, really concerned and cynical part is just like um, the hiring freeze will get worse, a thousand percent worse. Um, so I honestly cannot tell. I don't know. It's going to be much more competitive. Um, even in my film class, um, there's people that are getting hired, but, you know, it's just like, if you're not getting, if you're not following like the COVID restrictions, you're being sent home like immediately. Sure. And that's it. Um, and I don't know if it'll be the same for here in the city, but my, I'll just say my personal plans are to maybe branch out and look elsewhere with other companies as well as Tilt. I love Tilt, but 
um, to examine with other companies that are uh, disability led and and uh, and not to see if they'd be open to uh, collaborating. Well, I love that. And I think that one of the things that we, that is one of our greatest aspirations for Tilt is that we would be a company that intersects with other companies by virtue of our actors, right? Um, yes. That, that we have actors who go out and pursue other work and other genres and other forms and that they sort of carry that Tilt emblem with them and that Tilt, dare I say, brand, you know, uh, <laughs> with them. And that we sort of spread the good news that way, you know. Um, I think that that's really important for us at Tilt, and also I hope for the for the community at large. I do think a lot of people look to us for for examples of access and for examples of inclusion that they want to incorporate into their own culture as performance companies. And so my, you know, I see every Tilt company member as an ambassador as well for our mission of shattering disability stereotypes through inclusive theater. That's our mission statement at Tilt, you know, as you know. Yes. And what is your, what is your hope for theater at large? Theater has to make some huge monumental shifts forward. Um, and the money gets displaced, which, you know, I am not a money person, <laughs> but I feel that that a lot of us will have to, a lot of us in the theater communities will have to reapply for money um, and things. I, I feel that we'll all have to re-examine who, who should be a part of the groups that we audition for. And I hope very strongly that there will be an encouragement for diverse casting in the disability community, because we're we are out there and we're interested and eager, and we've been working on the craft, baby. Toby, I always cherish the time that we have to talk to one another. I learned so much from you and I love hearing your ideas about the theater and philosophy and life and everything. And I can't believe we've already come to the end of our time for this tilt. And <laughs> how it seems to go, isn't it? I yeah. want to thank you for sharing your time and your thoughts with us today and know that you are one of the pioneers of tilt performance group. You've been with us since almost the very beginning and you are you are a stalwart member of the company, and I couldn't be more thrilled that you are. Thank you so much, Adam. This was a treasure. Well, you're a treasure, Toby, and I want to thank you, and I want to thank everyone who's been listening to this episode of Tilt Talks. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Tilt Talks, and special thanks to Riley Wesson for editing today's installment. Catch you next time.